Broadcasting from the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios high atop Two Turtle Creek Tower in Dallas, Texas. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings. I am Ryan Trimble, joined today by my illustrious co-host, Sean Williams. Sean, good day, sir. Good day to you, and it is a nice sunny day in Dallas, Texas. It's like the last probably three of these podcasts that we've done. As sunny as as it is on the inside of this room, it has been totally gloomy on the outside. So this is a really good atmosphere because we have a great view of our city of Dallas here, and it is a nice day. So I am excited about today's show. Well, it's a it's a great day for sure, and it's a big day because uh, it is the eve of primary election season starting in the nation and our great state, the Lone Star State, kicking off primary season uh, for this midterm election 2018 uh, and voting commences tomorrow, recommences. Have have you voted already? Absolutely. I know there are some people in our office who are election day voters, and I think you and I subscribe to the early voter model. Where did you vote? I voted at Our Redeemer Lutheran, saw my friends Jeannie O'Neill, the great election judge up there. Uh, I voted there, I think, for the past decade, Sean. And I I subscribe to voting early. Uh, I do not subscribe to voting early and often, although (laughs) some people do. Um, I voted at Friendship West Baptist Church, which I believe... I believe this was the first time our church, at least at that location, has been used as an early voting location. I wanted to vote after church on the last Sunday of February, but there were so many people in line that I was unable to allot that amount of time uh, because I was ready for brunch. (laughs) So I did come back on Wednesday after dropping my son off at choir rehearsal and did get my vote on. Brunch is important. Voting is also important. So thank you for squeezing both of those activities into your calendar. I had many more voting days. (laughs) I did not have many more brunch days or opportunities, so I had to get it in at that time. We can't have a hangry Sean Williams. But yeah, I, I, I do like the early voting. I want to I want to be an election day volunteer at some point. That, that is like a goal of mine. I have not had an opportunity to do that yet. And my my mom is really big in Lamar County. She always works in some sort of capacity, working the polls, as she says. I love that. So I want to. That is one of my near-term goals is to to get involved on election day, to do some volunteering. And like you said, the people that you see, I usually vote at the Dallas County location there in North Oak Cliff, kind of in the Jefferson area. And I see some of the same folks. And one of the other things, too, is like you can't stereotype what your election official looks like, because I have seen all sorts of folks uh, who are doing their duty and participating in the process and helping us to get our vote. Yeah, it's it's great to see, and, and thanks to everybody who, who helped out. I know early voting is a it can be a long slog, especially when those lines get long and people get uh, a little ornery out there. So thank you, Mama Williams. We appreciate you, and good luck to you on, uh, on Election Day tomorrow. Sean, I want to 
turn real quick. You've heard me um, babbling around the office about these turnout numbers. In, I'm almost in the state. as much excitement just in general as looking at numbers and analyzing the data as if you were looking at SMU's tournament prospects uh, in a different year. And that's for a different show. And that's not yes. like a light dig at you or anything like that. But I mean, <laughs> that I know is you've been ex- not salt on an open wound or anything, Sean. <laughs> I know. I know you've been digging through these numbers over the last couple of weeks. I've been keeping an eye out, and I wanted to give a, a shout out to uh, Derek Ryan from Ryan Data and Research. He sends out a great daily email. He uh, crunches the numbers quicker than I could crunch said numbers. But wanted to look at all eleven days of early voting. We've had a wild, wild Democrat turnout in this state, and uh, the Democrats actually voted. They 2X'd, as I like to say. 465,000 Democrats voted in the top 15 counties in Texas. 420,000 Republicans voted. As many, of course, know, Texas is a is a staunchly red state or has been for a long time. But are the Democrats maybe getting their act together and are they going to be competitive? Well, I've looked at the fact that when you compare the numbers, Democrats versus Republicans, it is not a wide gap in the number of votes. But when you, again, when you look at what that looks like versus 2014, when, as you call it, 2Xing, doubling the vote from 2014 for the Democrats and the Republicans are up, but only 20 percent in those top 15 counties, you know, 200 that that equates to 238,000 more people voting early this year um, versus 2014. So people are coming in the Democratic front. Yeah, people are coming out to the polls. People are coming out and getting involved. Yeah, well, we will uh, definitely get into that. We have a very special show today. We will be welcoming Scott Braddock, the editor of The Quorum Report. Uh, for those of you Austin insiders, uh, you know you know Scott well. Uh, for those of you in Dallas, you may not may or may not know Scott that well, but he uh, he's going to join us with some outstanding insights and uh, look at some local races, look at some statewide numbers, and I'm really excited. This is this is taken my focus away from uh, the lost season that my ponies have had, Sean. Yeah, and you know, I, I figured when we got started, especially as well as the guy as we're playing out the, on the hilltop prior to the injuries that we have a lot of conversation around that. But it's good that we found a topic that you can be still excited <laughs> Take about my mind off. And, yeah. and get away from that. So, <laughs> um, you know, I am so excited to talk to Scott. And, you know, with Texas being such an early primary state, I've seen articles about Texas races in The Washington Post and The New York Times. Um, even some of the 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 publications outside of the United States, there has been talk about what the voter turnout in Texas means. And while, again, I'm not exactly sure it's going to equate to some of the things we've seen in maybe Virginia, maybe Alabama, uh, there's no doubt that there is something going on. Absolutely right. So we will take a quick break and we'll be back with our guest, Scott Braddock. Thanks for tuning in. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Ryan Trimble. Sean Williams. We'll see you back in just a minute. Welcome back. Deconstructing Dallas. Ryan Trimble, 
It's a big day, Sean. It is primary election eve here in the great state of Texas. And joining us now is one of the veterans and uh, somebody that everybody in the halls of the Capitol knows, maybe fears, uh, at least reads. Uh, It is longtime journalist and political analyst Scott Braddock. Scott, welcome. Gentlemen, how are you? We doing are great, man. We are doing. Uh, I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to mess up and say that uh, they all know me and like me. <laughs> He's. This is a veteran, Ryan Trimble. So yeah, he 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 kind of knows the deal on that. Yeah, I've seen I've seen people uh, I've seen people react. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, Scott, I know it's a big day for you, and thank you for coming on again, squeezing us in. Um, what are you uh, watching? What are you preparing for on this uh, primary election eve? Well, if you look at the top of the ticket, it's pretty much settled, isn't it, on the Republican side? I mean, Governor Abbott's going to be the nominee. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick has a spirited uh, challenge, but pretty safe to say he's going to be the nominee. Uh, You look down the ballot and you get to some of the interesting ones a little further down, right? I mean, you look at the land commissioner race. I was just uh, interviewed uh, before I'm talking with you, just uh, interviewed by the Weekly Standard about the land commissioner race. They want to know if this is the end of the Bush dynasty. You may have seen... Uh, that there was a headline in The Guardian uh, in the U.K., of all places, uh, asking that question. Uh, is George P. Bush's struggle in this race against Jerry Patterson and a couple of lesser-known candidates, is that struggle the end of the 70-year Bush dynasty? We can come back to that. And then if you look at the uh, Agriculture Commission race, that's gotten interesting as well. Some of our more colorful characters, uh, including uh, Sid Miller, the incumbent, Trey Blocker, the challenger. They've been slinging mud. That's one nice way to say it, probably. Uh, and then looking around the state, uh, the uh, state Senate and state House races uh, are, you know, competitive all up and down, uh, you know, the, the ballot from uh, North Texas to South Texas, uh, from East to West, everywhere in between. Uh, people are battling it out, both on the Republican and Democratic sides, we ought to say. Uh, and, you know, the Democratic surge that we've seen uh, in early voting, now that early voting is, you know, over and we've seen the uh, numbers, at least from the top 15 biggest counties, Democrats are really fired up. Um, but uh, I was telling somebody earlier that, you know, you have to put it in perspective, right? I mean, uh, Democrats have been so underperforming in this state that for them to come up by 200 or 300 percent only kind of gets them to where they're even with Republicans, right? Um, if you looked at uh, Harris County, for example, down where Houston is, um, first couple of days early voting, Democrats were up uh, by about 200 percent. Republicans were up by about 11, but that meant that by about 11 percent, that meant that, meant that they were running at about the same. Uh, level, though, uh, and we'll see what happens on Election Day itself. Uh, but, you know, for all of the talk that we have heard up until now, it's sort of just been the symptoms of voter enthusiasm. We hadn't actually seen the enthusiasm, but now we are seeing it. Uh, and part of it has to do with some of the races that are happening in your area. For example, the um, uh, congressional race, uh, Pete Sessions' seat, you got a bunch of Democrats running against each other trying to uh, become the nominee to take him on. Same thing down in San Antonio. Was a similar sort of race, uh, and same thing in Houston. You know, Scott, you talked about what people are, are calling a Democratic surge. 
you know, the Democratic primary voters are are up and and even the Republican voters are up. It's 20 percent, but it's, it's not to the level of the Democrats being up. Right. Do you think that that from what what you've seen in the past and when when voter turnout is high, oftentimes people say it, it favors Democrats. But do you see this trend following to the general election that's coming up in November? We'll just have to wait and see. I mean, this is the first indication of a real, um, uh, you know, a real enthusiasm gap between uh, the Democrats and Republicans. Uh, you know, Republicans, is, as we mentioned uh, right here at the beginning, there's really not that much bringing them out to the polls right now, right? I mean, all of the big uh, races at the top of the ticket for the Republicans are pretty much settled, but for the Democrats, they've got these congressional races that are not settled. Uh, there, are, There is a lot of enthusiasm for Beto O'Rourke, who's running as a Democrat, uh, to take on Ted Cruz in the fall. Uh, and of course, uh, we didn't even mention this, but we probably should, that the Democrats have, I think, eight or nine, I lost count, eight or nine candidates running for governor uh, with a couple of front runners. Uh, and so there is, you know, interest there in the Democratic side trying to figure out who their nominees are going to be. Uh, look, uh, we have to say, a lot of this is driven by President Trump and the reaction to uh, his um, governance uh, in D.C., uh, as it were, uh, for so many people in Texas politics and, and for a lot of people who are uh, newer to Texas politics, uh, even over the last decade. Uh, a lot of us have never seen, uh, for many years, have not seen uh, a Texas political environment that was not uh, centered around the idea of opposition to President Obama and opposition to Washington, D.C., and only uh, only since uh, last uh, you know the last couple of years, uh, and really only since last year, uh, have we seen the Republican Party in this state start to figure out how to govern when Obama's not in office, and instead someone who they're supposed to vehemently agree with, uh, President Trump, is in office. Uh, I often say that uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is the spiritual leader of the Republican Party in this state, and if you look at his uh, first television advertisement, by the way, he spent. I think about $5 million on TV just in January. Um, If you look at his first television advertisement, he gets out of that cool antique Chevy pickup truck, and the first words out of his mouth tell you everything you need to know about the political environment in the state. The first thing he says is, I agree with President Trump. That means on the Republican side, all of the candidates up and down the ballot are trying to praise Trump and talk about how great the president is. You even see that with George P. Bush running uh, for a re-election, even though President Trump trashed his father, Jeb Bush, when they were running against each other for president. Um, But uh, when when you look at the Republican side, it's all about praising Trump. On the Democratic side, it is all about opposition to Trump. And so there is a lot of energy there, both positive and negative. You you brought up Beto O'Rourke. And, you know, we haven't seen in Texas a Democrat hold a statewide position since 1994. And usually in most of these races, someone has to run, usually as a Democrat, uh, sometimes somebody who has the money to spend and just wants to maybe even market themselves. But now we have a candidate that seems at least people are taken seriously, if nothing else. So have you seen anything in his campaign, a campaign where he's not taking PAC money, a campaign where he's not taking corporate money? Have you seen anything in this campaign? that's different than some of the Democrats that have run for statewide over the last, you know, generation. Well, the, the folks who do know who he is are excited about him, but if you look at the polls, people uh, largely across the state still don't know who Beto O'Rourke is. I mean, his name ID is still very low. I mean, this is somebody who is from an area of the state that's not a population center. He's a congressman from El Paso, way 
way out west, uh, you know, the, 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 the part of the state that's in a different time zone, it's that far away from, from most of us uh, here uh, on this side of the state. Um, but uh, his fundraising has been very impressive. You mentioned the fact that he's not taking PAC money, uh, but he has been raking in millions and millions of dollars. In fact, the uh, headline I'm looking at right now uh, from just the other day says, O'Rourke stops cruise in latest round of fundraising. Now, you have to imagine that the uh, big money donors uh, for Cruz, the Republicans are going to be there for him uh, in the fall. Uh, but the question for Democrats often in Texas is, uh, you know, a question of whether they're going to have resources. Um, you know, uh, infrastructure for Democrats in Texas, it, political infrastructure, it's a lot like actual infrastructure for people who live in Afghanistan where there's no roads or, 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 or phone lines sure. or, you know, broadband internet or anything like that. Um, you know, you, if you grew up in Afghanistan, you could live in a village that's three miles from people who live in the next village, and you could live your whole life and never know that that other village is there. There are a lot of Democrats in Texas. There's just not anything that connects them. Uh, you have O'Rourke uh, traveling around the state. He's going to all, he says he's going to all two, uh, 254 counties, uh, and he's actually had people show up for him. Uh, at uh, rallies, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Democrats uh, coming out in places like Brenham, Texas, Sealy, Texas, Carthage, uh, small mm-hmm. places, uh, which, uh, you know, uh, usually don't see uh, Democrat or Republican uh, candidates for statewide mm-hmm. office show up for events. So uh, people are getting fired up about him. But uh, to keep it in perspective, if 100 people in Brenham, Texas, come out to see uh, Beto O'Rourke, that 100 people might be all the Democrats in that entire county. Well, I know he's uh, he's been here in Dallas several times, and judging from the yard signs in some of our strong Democrat precincts over in East Dallas on my drive home, uh, the, yeah. the, there's a fever pitch for Beto. But uh, bringing it back to Dallas and my drive home, I wanted to talk to you about some of our, our races up here. We've got uh, State Representative Cindy Burkett taking on uh, incumbent State Senator Bob Hall, and then we've got uh, uh, incumbent State Rep Jason Vialba uh, facing a challenge from a hard right challenge from Lisa Luby Ryan. Can you uh, look into your crystal ball, or at least give us give us uh, give us some insight on those two races, uh, Scott? Starting in the Senate, uh, Bob Hall has the support of Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Uh, he has uh, seen a cash infusion, uh, both from Patrick, who I think spent about $200,000 on television for Senator Hall, and uh, the uh, campaign of Senator Hall also uh, received hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, mostly from uh, West Texas money, uh, the Wilkes Brothers in particular, and a group called Empower Texans, which you may have heard of. Um, and then uh, Cindy Burkett uh, is, uh, you know, she's got, um, you know, resources as well uh, and the uh, attacks in this have been nasty and the attacks have been uh, as far as I can tell have been accurate uh, I saw a bunch of the uh, mailers uh, you may have seen them as well uh, that have been going out uh, either for from the Burkett campaign or from uh, other people who support her uh, talking uh, some of the messages uh, revolve around uh, a past history of domestic violence uh, on the part of Senator Hall uh, and the fact that he is uh, the only senator to vote against uh, certain protections for victims of domestic violence, tying those things together. Uh, he says that that's all uh, you know, ancient history and uh, things that were uh, eventually dismissed by the courts. Uh, then you also have uh, the fact that Senator Hall has been delinquent on uh, his taxes uh, year after year after year. Uh, this was first brought up 
back in uh, 2014 when Senator Hall defeated uh, Senator then Senator Bob Dole uh, in a runoff, uh, and uh, there were there was also uh, a new uh, instance uh, just in 2017 last year uh, of Senator Hall not paying his property taxes on a condo in Florida, and that was being auctioned off by the state of Florida. Uh, you have a lot of business groups uh, and business types that are uh, supporting uh, Cindy Burkett. Uh, they say that uh, Senator Hall is, is, is impeding, you mentioned your drive home, is impeding um, needed infrastructure in Dallas-Fort Worth, particularly uh, the 635E uh, project uh, that's going on up there, and uh, his opposition to managed toll lanes uh, has become a real sticking point. Uh, he, along with Senator Don Huffines, who doesn't have uh, a primary. And you mentioned Jason Vialba and Lisa Luby Ryan. It's a very interesting race, and it might be one that it could be a little closer than some folks uh, had been expecting. You have uh, Ryan, who uh, has the support of uh, Brent Ryan, a big money guy there, uh, the, the tax advisor uh, uh, company that he has. Uh, it, it, Brent Ryan uh, supporting uh, Lisa Luby Ryan, uh, and is, uh, as I understand, is, is her treasurer. Uh, you have. Uh, Vialba, who uh, has uh, been somebody who's been a little bit more of a moderate Republican uh, and is in a district that, you know, and look, Dallas has become more and more uh, one of those places that's hostile territory for Republicans up and down the ballot. Vialba, uh, one of those who, you know, can thread the needle and uh, be a strong Republican candidate uh, in the fall. Uh, Lisa Luby Ryan, somebody who may be too far to the right for that district. Scott, you know, we've we've done a lot of digging in your quorum report around our office. It is kind of a daily read for us. But for some folks who might be listening to this podcast, can you tell them about the quorum report, what you report there, kind of how how it's set up and even how they can get a hold of it if they want to learn more about what's going on in Texas politics? Give us the cheap plug, Scott. Well, I was going to say, I appreciate that that setup. Let me try to knock this out of the park. Uh, Quorumreport.com uh, is where people can go for subscription information. Uh, it is a subscription website, uh, and we will uh, do a favor for the folks who listen to this podcast. Uh, if you go to quorumreport.com and you click subscriptions uh, and you uh, sign up for the free email uh, and sign up for a subscription, if you choose the Bill Me option, You'll get one month for free. We'll send you an invoice. If you don't pay it after a month, we'll cut you off because we are ruthless capitalists. That's just how we roll. Uh, <laughs> but you can try it. You can try it out for a month. It's inside information uh, from the Texas Capitol, and uh, you know we try to gather intelligence uh, that uh, is really for insiders, but for political junkies as well. People who just want to check out what's happening in Texas politics. Uh, we have some of uh, the best sources uh, in the business. Uh, and we're always trying to figure out exactly what the lay of the land is. And, you know, as we mentioned during this interview, we're not really into predicting what's going to happen, but we want to give you the real lay of the land and tell you what the battlefield really looks like so you can understand, you know, what's going on as things unfold. It's quorumreport.com. He is a voice for Texas, Scott Braddock, the editor of the Quorum Report. Scott, thank you for coming on Deconstructing Dallas today. Gentlemen, I appreciate it. The pleasure's all mine. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, and and enjoy primary election day. Do the same. We'll be right back here on Deconstructing Dallas. We are back. 
And we are back from a really good conversation with Scott Braddock. Yeah, Scott does a great job covering the legislature and... This is a fun season for uh, everybody that covers the legislature. I know Scott is getting ready for a big, big day tomorrow, and we'll probably have plenty to write about. Well, you know, we get to look at a lot of politics because of what we do. We get to follow these races closely, and sometimes we get to participate in these races. But the most important thing that we do is vote. And so you have some information for those folks who may not know their voting location? Absolutely, Sean. Uh, If you do not know where you're supposed to vote, go on to www.dallascountyvotes.org, all one word. Uh, You'll find there on the main homepage a drop-down menu Uh, that says Election Day Information. You can find all sorts of fun information like where to vote, where your polling location is, information about uh, the upcoming election, and uh, you can even see what's on your ballot. Well, we will, I'm sure, be breaking this down in in the coming weeks. We have plans to talk to the Dallas County Republican chair. We have plans to talk to the Dallas County Democratic chair. So I think we will have plenty of time between now and November to see what all these results mean. Well, you have been listening to Deconstructing Dallas. I am Sean Williams. You can follow me at Sean P. Williams, S-H-A-W-N. He is Ryan Trimble. You can find him at rtrimble15 on Twitter. We really need folks to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. We know so many of you listen to you, to this program on your iPhones, on your iPads. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, but also you can find us on Stitcher, on Google Play, SoundCloud. Make sure you tell everybody you know to listen to Deconstructing Dallas. We want to thank Mary Woodley. We want to thank Jennifer Pascal, And we want to thank Scott Braddock of The Quorum Report for joining us today and sharing his insights. We will catch back up with you next week. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Adios.